Good morning. Those of you joining us online, welcome. Hey, we've been going through uh, this idea of Emmanuel and just the words of uh, what Emmanuel, what Christmas, God with us means. And uh, we talked uh, about uh, the word hope a couple weeks ago. And we, we said that uh, we, we all need hope. Our world needs hope. And Jesus is the only one who can truly bring us hope. And then we talked a little bit about uh, last weekend, Mark talked about faith. And, you know, there's a lot of institutions that you may have lost faith in or a lot of people that maybe you've lost faith in. But Jesus Christ is the one that you can always put your faith in and trust in, and he will never let you down. And this weekend, we want to talk about peace. And boy, in our world today, don't we need peace? And in our relationships, don't we need peace? Peace is something that is so foreign sometimes. The world seems like it's, it's at war, and uh, we, our relationships, many of our relationships seem like uh, battlegrounds. Um, Many of you have uh, watched over the years uh, the, the iconic cartoon classic, Charlie Brown Christmas. And uh, if, you've, if you watch that, uh, it's interesting that they have a, a passage from Luke 2 in there. And it's interesting uh, that uh, Schultz, the, uh, the, uh, the one who uh, created the Peanuts, the line, uh, basically said it was a non-negotiable that that passage would be in and into that uh, Charlie Brown. Uh, and I want to read you that passage from Luke 2. I think it's uh, really one of those passages that is so iconic uh, to our season. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them they, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the, the verse that we want to key in on is, Glory to God in the highest, and peace and, and we know the scripture says that Jesus is the prince of peace. And so if, if Jesus is the prince of peace, and if the angel said to the shepherds, this baby is going to bring peace, why don't we have peace? Why don't we have peace in our world? Why don't we have peace in our relationships? Why, why and boy, if there's ever a time that we need peace, isn't it right now? Jesus said something that was very instrumental and inter interesting in, in um, John 16, 33. He's talking to his disciples and he says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. But then he says this, and this is a tip of that peace is something we can have now, but not fully. He says, in this world, 
you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So the good news is that Jesus has overcome the world. He, the, the, there, there is a victory. We haven't fully lived out that victory yet. But here's what I think the tension in Scripture is. The tension in Scripture is we have peace now, but there's an ultimate peace coming. That even in the world of tribulation, even in relationships where there's tribulation, we can have peace right now. So where does peace begin? And so two things I want to talk about. Where do we get peace and what do we do once we receive peace? All right. So the first one is, where do we find peace? And the answer may not be where you think we, we find it. In fact, the answer is that we are in war. We are at war. That we are born not sons and daughters of God, but rebels that we rebel against God, that we walk away from God, that no one seeks God, no, not one, that we don't have peace with God. We are, we are on the opposite side of peace with God. In fact, Paul writes about that in, first, in Romans chapter 1. He says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So Paul is making a statement about our culture and about you and me that we need to hear. He's saying no one approaches God, that God has revealed himself. We can see his eternal power and, and we can see his hand in creation. We know he's there because of our conscience. There's multiple, there's multiple ways that God has communicated to us. And instead of going to God, looking for God, seeking God, we are the ones that walk away from God. And Paul goes on in this passage in Romans, and he basically says there is a point where you can walk away from God and he will let you go. Paul uses a phrase in this passage. You can read it later on today. But he uses a phrase, and God gave them over. In other words, God will not force you to follow him. He will not force you to seek him. But there is a point where when God reveals light to you and you turn your nose on it, when you walk away from it, when you deny it, there is a point where God says, if you want to walk away, I'm going to let you. But when you walk away, you walk away from peace. You walk away from hope. You walk away from joy. Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not uh, be, and do not be afraid. Here's, here's the point I want you to see in this first point. That everyone, we're not born seeking God. We're not born on the path of God. You may have been born in a very religious home where you talked about God, where you prayed. And, and I was raised in a home like that where we prayed at our meals and we, we, we honored God. We didn't take the Lord's name in vain. We followed generally the Ten Commandments. We went to church. And so we, that's the, the home I was born in. 
But what I realized as I grew is I didn't have any relationship with God. I had a mechanical relationship with God, but I didn't have peace with God. And, and that was really revealed to me when I went to confession. Because when I left confession, I wondered, am I really forgiven? And I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I, I wasn't sure the prayers that I prayed were enough. And I came to a place in my life where I realized, and somebody shared with me God's word. And they shared a, a, a couple of passages. And one of the passages they shared was Ephesians. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. The same man should boast. And I realized that what I was doing is I was banking on my prayers. I was banking on my works. And I realized that I was a sinner, that I needed a Savior, and that's why Jesus came. And I realized that I wasn't at peace with God because I was trying to save myself. And I was negating what Jesus had done, why he even came, why he was even born in Bethlehem. Why was he born? The Savior came from heaven to earth on a rescue mission to save me from my sins, to give his life so that I could live. And he did the same for everyone in this room and everyone is joining us online. And so the question is, do you today, right now, have peace with God? It doesn't come because you believe that God exists. It doesn't come because you follow some rules or regulations or rituals from a, a religion that you were raised in. It doesn't come because you're better than the majority of people. It, it only comes when you realize, I am a lost sinner in rebellion to God and I, I realized that he gave his life for me so that I could live. I realized on the cross he took my sins. I realized that he lived the life I should have lived and died the death I should have died. Until I come to a place where I realize that I have no hope and no, no help unless I throw myself to Jesus, I am dead. Now we love this verse. It's up on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But read a little further. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God sent his son to save you from your sins because you can't save yourself. And until you come to that place, you will never have peace with God. If you try to procure peace for yourself through your own actions or your own behavior, you will never find peace with God. Until you bow your knee to God and call upon the Lord, you will, that's the only time. And you have to do it individually. It's something you have to do. Notice the next verse here. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already when, because they have not believed in the name of, the, of God's one and only Son. There has to be a moment, a time in your life where you call upon the Lord. Now, there were two criminals on either side of Jesus. Remember that? One of them basically didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't, he didn't trust him. He was condemned already because he turned away from the only saving truth. But the other one, what did he do? He believed in Jesus. Did he join a church? No. Did he, was he baptized? No. Did he go through the rituals? And, no. What did he do? He said to Jesus, today, Jesus, when you come in your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
So my question to you is, do you have peace with God today, right now? Have you called upon the Lord? The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever done that in your life? If you haven't, why not? You say, well, how do I do it? Very simple. You just pray something like this. It doesn't have to be these words. Something like this. Dear Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I need a Savior. And I realize that's why you came, to save my soul, to give your life so that I could be forgiven, so that I could live. You gave your life to me, now I give my life to you. I don't know what that means, but I give my life to you. And I ask you to take away my sins. Amen. That's the prayer. It's very simple. But it changes the trajectory of your life. It changes your life. And the Bible says, the moment you call upon the name of the Lord, you have peace with God. So whether you're in this room right now or joining us online, do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? Because that's probably the most important decision you'll ever make. More important than who you marry, where you live, what job you do. Do you have peace with God? So that's the first thing about peace. Secondly, once you receive the peace from God, once you become, you're no longer an outsider. You're no longer a rebel, but you're a son, you're a daughter. Now you've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. You've been called to the ministry of being a peacemaker. So how do we give out peace? See, when we receive the peace from God, we're called to be a distributor of that peace. We're to, well, Paul writes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What I have been doing, the very first part of this message is this. I am imploring you to be reconciled to God. That's what, that's what the gospel compels me to do and compels you to do to your sphere of influence. That doesn't mean you walk up to somebody you hardly know and start spurring out that they're a sinner, they're lost, they're going to hell. That's not what we're talking about, okay? And it probably doesn't work really well. But now God has called us to be ambassadors, to be peacemakers, to make pleas to people that they can find peace, not only with God, but in their relationships. And that's what we want to focus on for the rest of our time. How do we find peace in our relationships well, first, when we're wronged, we're called to forgive. We're not to repay evil for evil. We're to overcome evil with good. We're to seek to be at peace with others, even our enemies. So I want to give you a few steps of how you can become a peacemaker in your relationships. Because some of you aren't very good at that. Some of you have failed even this week. You haven't brought peace. You've inflamed the, th the conversation. You've inflamed the, the relationship. You've made it worse. You've thrown gas on the fire. You, 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 you are not one that is bringing peace. Uh, you know, it, it, 
You remember, I'm going to reference uh, Peanuts again, okay? Remember Pigpen? Uh, he, you know, the, 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 the sketch or the drawing of Pigpen was he had this, this dust bowl around him. And wherever he went, it was the dust all over. So you knew where he was because he, he had a, this dust all around him. Picture that you are the person that is bringing peace. And there is a ring of peace around you. There is a, 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 an odor of peace. There is a presence of peace all around you that you carry. That, that, that wherever you go, there goes peace. There goes forgiveness. Okay, so let's talk about how you can be that person. By the way, you can't do this on your own. This is not trying harder. This is allowing the Spirit of God to work in your life. Okay, so how do you do it? This <laughs> so immediately as I start talking about these, you're going to go, okay, <laughs> that's not fair. Forgive quickly and completely. Number one, forgive quickly and completely. Uh, Paul writes this in Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against somebody. Okay, I can do that. But then he throws this in and he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. <sighs> forgive as the Lord forgave. By the way, that's in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Do you know the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our debts as we forget those who have, or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Snap, there it is again, right? There, but there it is. And by the way, you can find this phrase all through the New Testament. You don't forgive because or if or when. You forgive, period. How? Because the Lord forgave you. That's the standard. How you doing? Now, I'm going to say a few things that you're going to not like, but it's true and it's scriptural. Forgiveness is never an option for Christians. Never. There's never a reason why you can't, shouldn't forgive a person. Never. We're always called to forgive. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are no longer uh, afar off, if you have peace with God, now you are his son and daughter, you are called to be a peacemaker and you are called to forgive and it's never an option. There's never a reason not to forgive. Now, I know what some of you are thinking Matt, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. They, 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 if I were to tell you what they did, you would say, okay, there's the one exception why you don't have, no, I wouldn't do that because there isn't an exception. Secondly, forgiveness does not depend on the other person. We often think, well, I'll forgive if they do this, when they do this, you know, whatever. And Forgiveness does not depend on the other person. You may have a person, you, and you may be, if you're joining us online, maybe you're thinking this way too. Maybe you're in this room and you're thinking that way. You may be thinking, the minute I started talking about forgiveness, a person's name popped in your head. And maybe you've never come to a place where you've forgiven them. Now, maybe you have to forgive them over and over and over. Remind yourself you've forgiven them. That's, that's a whole, you know, that's a process. I get that. It's not what we're talking about. 
We're talking about taking a step of, of forgiving a person who has wronged you, who has harmed you, who has hurt you. Forgiveness is, is never an option. Secondly, forgiveness is not really about the other person. Now, I've never had an, a person who has harmed me or, you know, said something, come up to me and say, you know, I was just uh, reflecting in, with the Lord, and the Lord told me that I, I, what I said and what I did was probably very hurtful and harmful to you. And I just couldn't sleep last night, so I came, and I wanted to sit down. I wanted to apologize personally and, and grovel just a little bit before you and just ask for your, for, I've never had that happen, and I'm not holding my breath that that ever will happen. Because nine times out of ten, when somebody does something or harms, you know, they either know it or they don't know it or they don't really care. Forgiveness is never an option. Forgiveness is not dependent on you. And forgiveness sets you free. That's really, what you don't understand is if you're not willing to forgive a person, you're going to, you're going to remain trapped. Forgiveness gives you the freedom to move on. So that's the first thing. You want to be a peacemaker? Forgive completely and quickly. Secondly, allow God to settle the score. Allow God to settle the score. Look at Romans 12, verse 18. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll be heaping coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We all cry out for justice, don't we? And we all think, uh, so here's, here's a couple things here that I, I want to bring, bring out. We often think that we want the person who has harmed us to get justice. We want God to set the, settle the score. And we'd like to be the ones to do it. Like, we don't want God just to settle the score. We'd like to be the ones to do it. And, and I want to tell you a, a couple of reasons why you're not a good judge. We all think we're good judges, but we're not good judges. And we're not really good judges because we have limited knowledge. We have limited knowledge, and we're naturally biased. And we are often guilty of similar offenses. And, and I just want to say this. Whether you know it or not, you are probably far more gracious with your own misbehavior, the same misbehavior that you are condemning other people of. The things that you see in other people and you condemn them, how they drive, whatever they do, you know, all the things that you condemn other people, you give yourself a break. There's always a good, reasonable excuse why you can do this and it's not as bad as what they do. By the way, if you don't think you're doing that, find somebody in your family or somebody that you know and trust and see whether you are hypocritical in this area. And if they hem and haw a little bit, you are absolutely guilty of it because you probably are. That's why we're not good judge judges. The other thing is, we all cry out for justice, but we really don't want justice. Do you really want God to be just in every person's life on this planet, yours included? Let's just say that God were to take what you said and what you did, all of your thoughts, and place them up on the screen and play them for the next 15 minutes. 
just the highlights. How comfortable would you feel? Not, it, we, we, we cry out for justice. God, smite them, <laughs> you know. We, we should be careful. Now, one, one, one thing I just want to bring out here. We talk about forgiving. We're not talking about reconciliation there. We're talking about forgiving. Forgiveness is a one-way thing. It's something you can do. It doesn't necessarily include the other person. It's just letting them off the hook and letting God handle it. It's letting yourself off the hook. Um, it, and again, it's not reconciliation. But notice he says in the first part of this, he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This means that there are some people you have to keep at arm's length. And it's healthy to do that. Because they're on fire. No, what I mean by that is that when they come near you, it's just a mess. It is just an absolute mess. So you have to distance yourself from them because they're just not, you're not capable of being near them. What he's saying here is make sure your door is never closed to reconciliation, but understand that you won't be able to be reconciled to everyone. And that's okay. You have to live with that tension sometimes. Sometimes you can live with people like this. Sometimes you have to live with people like this. Just make sure that you don't close the door and hold out the possibility that God can transform them and you in the relationship. I love this passage. It's a great guiding passage. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Here's the third thing. Use your words wisely. Paul writes this in Romans, bless those who are nice to you. No, that's not what it says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You know what I'm seeing more in Christian in the Christian community? I'm seeing Christians who are justifying cursing the enemy because they're the enemy. I don't find that in Scripture. It's not there, folks. Just because you deem them the enemy, you label them the enemy, doesn't mean you get to curse them. It doesn't mean you get to throw motives on their words or actions. You don't know what they're, why, why they're doing what they're doing. But I feel like Christians sometimes feel like they get a pass because they're the enemy. Peter writes this. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because you were called so that you may inherit a, inherit a blessing. Where did we get this idea that we as Christians, it's okay for us to use improper language assess wrong motives on people, call people enemies, and treat them like crap. Where do we get the idea that we as Christians, are, it's okay to do it because they're enemies? I, I don't know where we get it. We don't get it from Scripture. What did Jesus do? Forgave his enemies. 
Father, forgive them, for they're out of their minds. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Next time you're ready to post, send an email, and it's hot, and it's nasty, and there's motives in there, just stop and think for a minute and say, is that what the Lord wants me to do? Is that how the Lord would have responded here? Don't repay evil with evil, insult for insult. Instead, repay evil with blessing. Repay evil with blessing. Here's the last thing. Lead with humility. Jesus gave us the greatest example of humility. And by the way, there's a passage. Uh, we're going to be this year, and if you're joining us online, uh, and those of you in-house here, uh, we're, whether you uh, are going to be reading with your, your regular old school Bible, we're going to have reading guides for you, and you can, you can, and we'll probably have those posted online so you can print them out, but we'll have them here for you. you fold them in half and keep them in your Bible and read through the Bible this coming year with us. Um, or you can use the U version, and we'll have the, the readings come up automatically every day. And they actually, you don't even have to read it. You, they'll, they'll, there's a mode where it'll read the scripture for you. Um, but I want to encourage you to do that. But the other thing I always try to encourage you to do is from time to time memorize passages of scripture. If I was going to give you a passage of scripture to memorize for this coming year, it, it might be this one right here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And he's, Jesus is talking about how are we to behave in our relationships. We're talking about how do we have peace in our relationships. And notice what he says. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in, in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus demonstrated incredible humility, right? Now, how did he do that? Well, first, by getting off of his throne and being born as a baby in a manger. God became man. The incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. Secondly, do you remember at the Last Supper, what did Jesus do? He took off his robe and he got at the disciples' feet and he washed their feet. And then finally, he climbed up on a cross. He took the physical, emotional, and spiritual thrust, abuse, for you and for me. God humbled himself for you and for me. And Paul says that is our standard. So tell me now, what is the reason why you can't humble yourself? If you are one of his children, humbling yourself is not extraordinary it is ordinary it is what we're called to do daily so memorize that passage 
and you will find that will bring all of these other language and forgiveness and all these other things in when you're willing to humble yourself. It's hard to have a fight when you're not willing to be part of it, when you're willing to humble yourself, when you're willing to show kindness to your enemy, not attribute bad motives to your enemy, to forgive your enemy. It's hard to get into a fight that way. And just like Pigpen walked around with a dust cloud around him, could you picture yourself going around this week at work, at school, in your home, in your neighborhood, with peace, de-escalation, kind words, forgiveness offered often and quickly and completely? Could you see yourself being that person in this in your sphere of influence? And would that make a difference in your community, in this world, in your life? I believe it would. And I believe that's the point of Emmanuel, God with us. He offers us peace so that we can offer others peace. Not a handshake at a service. It goes far, far more than that. We've been lighting the candles this week, or this, this uh, series. And so let's just review here for a minute. The first candle was the candle of hope. The idea there was that we place our hope sometimes in institutions or in people and they let us down, but Jesus never will, right? Last week, Mark talked about faith and how we have one place to place our faith, and it's in Jesus Christ. This weekend, we talk about peace. That real peace comes when we find peace with God, and as his son, as his daughter, we offer peace to our sphere of influence. And nobody knows what's going to happen this week. But I guarantee you that if you pray, God, help me to be a peacemaker this week. Help me to be your ambassador this week. Help me to carry the, just a, 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 an aurora, a, a aroma of peace with me in all of my relationships. He's going to challenge you. <laughs> He's going to challenge you. But that's a challenge that his sons and daughters should step up to and say, here I am, Lord, use me. Stand with me. Let's sing, as a, and I'll pray first, and then we'll close our time. We'll sing. Father, thank you for bringing us together, and thank you for being the Prince of Peace. Thank you that you are the one who gives us peace. And, Father, if we've received that peace, may we be your peacemakers here on earth because your world needs peacemakers. Help us to make the case, Father, that everyone be reconciled with you. But most of all, Father, Help us to forgive. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to be your sons and your daughters and, and to reflect your forgiveness in all of our relationships. We ask this in Christ Jesus.